know me, my name's Brad. I'm lead pastor and one of the teaching pastors here and would love to get to know you also. And who is ready for this brand new series, Be Rich and a 5 out of 10 sermon? <laughs> that, was, that was hurtful. I mean, you know, I'm, start, I'm starting to get feelings. You know, you've taught me how to have some feelings. And 5 out of 10, well, it's, except normally you tell me it's a 4 out of 10. So I think I, I actually got, I gained a point there. But, man, we are excited about starting this brand new series called Be Rich. And I don't know about you, but my guess is that most of you don't feel rich. You know? But you all have a plan. Because I have heard, I don't know how many times that you have a, a, a lottery plan. If you win all the millions and millions and millions of dollars in the lottery, you know exactly what you're going to do. I've heard it. People have come up and said, yeah, if I win all these millions of dollars, here's what I'm going to do. And the generosity is amazing. You know, we're going to irrigate our soccer fields. We're going to build a new basketball gym. It's going to be amazing, you know. And I also... I, I have my own lottery plan. I don't play the lottery, but if I win, I know how generous I'm going to be. Man, I'm going to give all kinds of money away. You know, we all have that. We all have this desire, don't we, to be generous. And that's what Be Rich is all about. And, and you know, we, we want to be generous, but we just, we just don't feel like we have a lot. We don't feel like we are, are really rich, do we? And we're actually told all the time that you aren't rich. You know, there's this magical 1% out there that has all the money, and the rest of us poor little slaves are just out, you know, here we are. But I want to give you some stats because I think it's really kind of a perspective that we have, and we've got to be careful with this. Here's what I, here's what I want you to know, is that if you have an income of $50,000, you are richer than 89.4% of the global population. $50,000, family of four. If you have an income of $75,000, you are richer than 94.5% of the global population. There's only 5.5% that are richer than you. And if you have an income of $100,000, you are richer than 96.9% of the global population. There's only about 3% of people that are richer than you. And it becomes a matter of perspective, doesn't it? It becomes a matter of, of understanding where we live and how we live. And I think, congratulations, because you are all rich. Everybody here, we are actually rich, but we don't feel that way, do we? But I just want us to think for just a moment, because if you've ever been in a grocery store with, a, with a, a cart full of groceries in line, looking at your iPhone and scrolling, you are rich. If you've ever been in front of your closet, you know, wondering, what am I going to wear today? And you look in, there's all these clothes. You say, I just don't have anything to wear. You are rich. If you've ever taken your car down to a dealership and left it there and drove out with a new or newer car, you are rich. It all depends on our perspective, doesn't it? And, and, and I just, I, I, I was just this last couple of weeks, man, thinking about this and thinking, you know what? Man, all the blessings that God has given us, all the things that we have done, that we have, that we have access to, man, we are just rich, but we just don't feel that way, do we? And so here's the deal. We're going to start this Be Rich campaign for, for the next three Sundays, and uh, we're going to be talking about giving back. We're going to be talking about being rich, about making a difference in the community, about making a difference in our lives and making a difference in other people's lives. And I want you to understand something from the very beginning, is I am not here we are not going to do this to try to make you feel guilty. That is not our goal. We do not want to make you feel guilty about the things that you have, the money that you make, the place that you live, the cars that you drive. It is not about being guilty. But what we do want to do is make you feel responsible. If you're here in our last series, The Curse of Comfort, I actually talked about this one week, that everything we have, the Scripture tells us that everything we have, every good thing we have 
is a gift from God, that he has allowed us to have that. And what we are supposed to do is we're supposed to live open-handedly. We are supposed to, what the Bible calls steward, but we are supposed to be managers. We are responsible for what God has gifted us, what God has allowed us to have. And so with that comes responsibility, and we have to manage it properly. That's what we're required to do. So over the next few weeks, we're just going to practice being rich. And what our hope is is that we're going to become good at being rich. And this whole thing comes out of a, a piece of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, and I love this. Here's what it says. It says, this is Paul writing to Timothy, who he's telling that you're going to take charge of this church, this young Timothy. You're going to take charge of this church, and here's what I want you to do. Here's what he says. Command those. Whoo! How about that word? Command. I mean, that is pretty strong language, isn't it, from Paul? That you, Timothy, taking over this church, I want you to command something. I want you to tell them this is not an option that this is the way we are supposed to live as we follow Jesus. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And I love that last verse because so many times we, we, I'm afraid that people say, well, you know, we're, I guess we're not supposed to have nice things. That's what God is saying. He's saying, saying therefore, your enjoyment, I've allowed you to have these for your enjoyment. You have all these things that I, 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 I've given you, I've allowed you to have so that you can manage, so you can take care of others, so you can take care of your family. I've given you these for your enjoyment. And then he goes on in verse 18. Command them, again, command them. This is not an option. Command them to do good, and here's our word, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. These good things that I've given you, they're for your enjoyment. But I, I'm commanding you, I'm telling you, what you need to do is you need to use these things for others. They're for your enjoyment, but they're not just for that. They're not just for you. They're for us to have, be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And we, honestly, we just aren't good sharers, are we? It's not in our nature. I mean, I, I am as selfish as they, they, they come. And, and maybe, you know, you look at your children or your grandchildren, and how many times have you ever said to, to one of your kids, oh, you know what, you are just sharing way too much. You know what, don't, don't give that to your sister, you know? You had it first. Why don't you keep it just a little bit longer? She can just wait. You just go ahead and take your time with that. We, we don't do that, do we? Because it's not in our nature. It's not in our kids' nature. It has to be long. It has, it has to be taught. Some scriptures actually translate this word command, teach them. We have to command. We have to teach ourselves. We need to teach our children that generosity is how we're supposed to live, that this is the way it is supposed to be. It's just not natural for us. And so we're just going to take some time. This is our very first Be Rich campaign that we've ever done, and we're joining over 100 churches doing this. And we're going to gather money, and we are going to give it all away, 100% of it. And, and we, are, we are so excited about it. Jordan and I have been talking about this for months and, and, and just couldn't wait to get this thing kicked off. And, and, and we don't know what to expect, but we just are planning on God doing some amazing, amazing things. We're already planning next year's events. We're actually looking at, at nonprofits and talking with nonprofits already of who we can come alongside next year and, and have a serve component of this also even more than what we're going to talk about this, this year. We just want to get good at this. We want, to, we want to get good. We want to be excellent at being rich, at being generous. 
That's what this whole thing is about. And maybe you're sitting out here, and, and the question that comes to your mind is, why? Why are, are we, we doing this? And, and I believe it comes from, there's an expectation. There's an expectation inside the church. And I would even argue that there's probably an expectation even greater on the outside of the church. Those who are far from God, those who don't, don't attend, those who, who know enough about Jesus and know about what his ministry was and how he acted, and looking at the church today and saying, I don't know. There's an expectation they have of these Jesus followers. There's this expectation they have of this church out here to make a difference. There's an expectation of, of these Jesus followers to be like Jesus. And I think that's fair. There's an expectation for these people to be different than anybody else, to stand out. There's an expectation of them, these Jesus followers, to be generous. There's an expectation of these Jesus followers to be loving, to be giving. There's this expectation. That's why we're doing this. But it goes deeper than that. To really answer the question of why, why are we on the inside as Christ followers? Why are we doing this? What is our motivation? What is... What is God calling us to do? And I believe it boils down just to this, because of God's extravagant generosity to us. Because of what God has blessed us with, what God has done us, in, as we were not following him, as we were running as far away from him, he continued to pursue us, to have a relationship with us. Because of his extravagant generosity of Jesus on the cross, it compels us to be different. It compels us to be generous to others also. Romans 5, verse 6 puts it this way. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were still powerless, when we couldn't get to God himself, that there was a chasm between us and God, that we couldn't correct this relationship, that, that, that there was a distance between us. And because of that, Christ died for us. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't come for the righteous. He didn't come for, for, for the, he came for people who were far from him. Verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were far from him, when we were doing our own thing, when we were being selfish, when we were, were doing our own thing, when we could care less about those things of God, Christ died for us. He came and did it anyway even when we weren't expecting it, wanting it, and he pursues us. I love that. That kind of love compels us. That kind of sacrifice compels us to love others like never before. It compels us to be different. It compels us to be changed from the inside out. That when, when we decide to set our lives on Jesus, we are not the same people that we look at things differently. We try to do everything we can to look at things through God's eyes. We try to look at the, the, the things that we do through God's eyes. We try to look at people through God's eyes. How does God love them? And we do the same thing because he did that to us. And I love how scripture says that he pours out these things to us. And I love that picture of it's just not a little bit. God just doesn't do this a little bit. He pours it out. He lavishes it. It's an abundance that he loves us, that he, he cares for us, that he came for us. It's an amazing picture, and that, that changes us to a point that we want to do that for others. And all through Scripture, all through the New Testament, we are, we are shown that, that we are supposed to live like Jesus. He set the example. 
It tells, he tells us in, in here that, that this is a way that, that husbands, we are supposed to treat our wives. That wives, there's a different way that you are to treat your husbands. That, that, that parents, there's a different way, there's a standard that, that we are to treat our children. Children, there's a different way that we are supposed to treat our parents. How we are supposed to live, it's just, this is it. We take care of others, we take care of each other. We love, we love, and we love. We reciprocate the same thing. And then there's this Jesus who knows that he's going to the cross, that he's going to be crucified, and he gets his closest people, his closest friends, the people he's, he's, he's done life with, into a room beforehand. And what's he do? He washes their feet. He takes the lowest form of a servant, setting an example to these 12 men who are now going to carry the mission out. And he sets them all down, and he washes their feet. Judas was in the room the one that Jesus knew was going to betray him, that was going to actually cause him to be sent to the cross. And what's his posture? One of a servant, and he washes his feet. Peter is in the room. He washes Peter's feet, who he knows in just, just, just hours, Peter is going to deny even knowing him three times. But yet he washes his feet, and he sets the example. And he tells all of them, I'm going to give you a new commandment to love one another. And they're all probably sitting in that room saying, you know, I, that's not a new commandment. That, that's been going on for centuries, Jesus. But he didn't stop there. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment to love others the way I love you. And they just witnessed it. A form of a servant washing someone's feet. And then in just a few short hours, he would go to the cross paying the ultimate price for them. That's how we are to love. He sets the example of what we are supposed to do. And I had to ask myself this last week or so, who is it in my life that I'm washing their feet? Who is it that would betray me that I would still be willing to wash their feet? Who is it that does not even want to be friends, denies that I even exist? <laughs> Has no time of the day for me. Am I willing to be a servant and wash their feet? feet like Jesus. That's the standard that we are supposed to live by. It's humbling. We have to learn to do it well. That's what part of this whole Be Rich campaign is all about. I want to go to J James, James uh, brother of Jesus, and, and I, I love James. And if, I think it's Mark chapter 3 that it tells a story of Jesus was out teaching and doing some things and, and saying some crazy things, and, and the family actually was going to go get Jesus and pull him out because they actually thought he had lost his mind. That the things that he was claiming to be, the Messiah and some of these things, that, that I don't know, we just need to get him out of the public, man. We need to go rescue him because he ain't all there, okay? That's James at one point. And now we have the book of James. So if you know anything about it, man, he is 180, man. He is all about Jesus was the Messiah. There is no question about it. What changed? He saw the resurrected Jesus. He saw his brother on a cross, died, dead, and then he meets him again and talks to him. That would change everything, wouldn't it? And James, I tell you, James is not one of those cuddlers, man. He is not seeker sensitive. He just goes for the jugular in most of his book here. We're going to start in, in James chapter 1, verse 27. He says that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. And I want to stop there for a minute. Because that is a big implication with this verse. 
religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, which to me implies that there is a religion that God the Father does not accept. So my question to you is this. How would you feel? How would you answer that? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is blank. What is it for you? As I was processing and thinking this and how I grew up in the church, there's part of me that said, you know, I, my, my vision of what religion was, what, that God would accept, was, was me doing all the right things, with me saying all the right things, staying away from this kind of trouble, doing all these things, being as perfect as I possibly could. Maybe for some of you in a different faith tradition, maybe it's, it's, it's you know, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I need to get baptized, I need to take communion, I need to do all these different kinds of sacraments. That was the religion. That's what God would count. For someone maybe know, knowing doctrine well, knowing the scripture inside and out, having all memories, having all this head knowledge, making sure that we're following direct, all, the, all these commands, that we're following the correct doctrine, that we're standing up for what we're supposed to be standing up for. Is that the kind of religion that God accepts? And I'm just telling you, some of those things, not that they're bad, some of those things are dangerous because it gets us looking for other ways that people aren't following all these rules and aren't, aren't doing what is expected of them. And we start becoming angry and we start becoming critical and we start becoming bitter. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. And James is going to tell us to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Huh. Others focused. But what about me? You know, I came to follow Jesus because, you know, I, I had this addiction. I had this trouble. I had this struggling marriage. I had this other things. And so that's, the, you know, that's about others. What about, what about what I need? What about what I get? When I come to church, I, I want to get this for me. But yet it falls short on the other ends of it. And I get that. I've been there. I've said those kind of things. But, but James is telling us to look at this, is that, that the religion that is faultless and pure looks after orphans and widows in their distress and others that are in distress. That we are called to, as followers of Jesus, to enter in the distress of those around us, to enter into the distress of, of, of those we work with, to enter into the distress of those in our family that God puts on our hearts and, and around us there are all kinds of people in distress, and we have to enter into that distress. We've got to come alongside them. It's exactly what Jesus did. Distressed people would seek out Jesus all the time, and he would interrupt his schedule so that he could, he could meet with them. They were drawn to him. And then James goes on. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And I had to start thinking about what is what's James talking about here about being polluted by the world. And I think, again, it goes back to exactly what we talked about in the curse of comfort, us getting our eyes off the prize, us getting our eyes on something that, that, that the world is saying is important when in reality it's not important at all, that we get involved in these other things that take us away from creating eternity for our, our families, eternity for others. It's building our kingdom instead of God's kingdom. It's getting so involved that, 
that we take our eyes off of what God has, has why, how God has wired us and, and made us and gifted us so that we can do and make an impact in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces. Are we allowing the world to pollute us, to get our, our eyes off of what is actually important and makes an eternal difference in other people's lives? We have got to be committed to being all that God has called us to be. And I love this example. We've used this before. Of, and here's the, here's the amazing thing is when we start thinking of others and we start putting others first, we also get fed. We also get what we need. We fulfill our needs by fulfilling the needs of others. You know, the best example is if I invite somebody over to my house, you know, and maybe it's the first time and, and we're just getting to know them or something, and what I do is I go, I start cleaning up everything. I try to get all the dog hair off the couches and things like that so they're not covered, you know. And, and, and we cook them a nice meal, and, and if you ever come to our house, you're either going to get lasagna or Swiss cheese chicken. It's the only two things we ever, we know how to cook. You know, the rest of the stuff is out of a box. And, and so people come over, and the house is kind of clean, and they get to sit down, and it's good lasagna, by the way. And, and we sit down, and we eat our lasagna, and we have a good time talking, and it's good. And, and I'm thinking, you know what? This was for them, but you know what? I, I have a clean house now. I've gotten to eat a, a good meal. There's something about focusing on others and, and helping them. It fulfills our needs also, and we've just got to get better at it. Be rich. That's what we're talking about, being rich. And I want you to understand, in this whole campaign, we have one goal, and it's not necessarily an amount. Now, Jordan's got this crazy amount in his mind that we're going to raise, and, and I'm, I'm praying for that, that that actually happens. But, you know, honestly, I, don't have any, I have no idea what to expect. But here's one thing. The one goal that we have that we want is this, 100% participation. We want everybody here to participate. Whether you're online, maybe even for the first time, we want you to jump in and get involved and say, you know what, we're going to practice being rich. We want you to, 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 to participate in this. We want everybody to get involved. Our bridge kids are, are, are collecting all kinds of items for, for homeless veterans. That's where, where, where we're heading. And, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this. Not only 100% participation, but we're going to talk about give, serve, and love. About us being in the community. About us being extravagantly generous to the community. About making a difference in everything that we do and everything we go. So many times we get people say, you know what? If we just had an Acts 2 church, we just want to be an Acts 2 church. This is what they did. Go to Acts 2 and read what that church looked like. No one had needs because people were selling their stuff and giving it away. And the people on the outside said, what in the world is going on over there? There's something irresistible about a church, about a people, about a, a, a movement that says we're going to care about others. We're going to care about taking care of others. We're going to do whatever it takes because there's an expectation out there. And we're going to live up to that expectation. We're going to be the Acts 2 church as best as we possibly can, and we're going to get better. We're going to stumble. We're going to do whatever we can. And this is just not a one-time thing. You're going to hear us be talking about this coming up. Every, every, before every Christmas, we start collecting items for families in Fort Wayne Community Schools that their kids would not be able to have a Christmas without us. And so you'll see some of that coming up. Next year, there's a, a, a few Crossbridgers in a group going to Belize, back to Belize, an outside organization, they're doing an outside mission trip and going to Belize, and, and we're going to be able to help them, you know, come up with some groceries and things to, to, to help that church that's down there. We're trying to do everything we can to be, 
better at being rich. But over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about serving, and we're going to talk about loving, but we're really focusing on this whole give aspect. And so here's what we want you to do. And I also want you to note this, I just kind of forgot this, is that November 6th is when this is all over, okay? And we're doing a worship night. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be rich for these next three Sundays, and then that night we're going to come back and we're going to do our own worship night, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to be amazing. We want you to be part of that. That's how we're going to end this whole thing. But how do you get involved? I'm glad you asked. For a mere $39.95. There you go. You can be rich also. $39.95, it's all it's going to take. It's going to be amazing, okay? Now, here's the deal. I was thinking about this this week, and, and a while back, uh, I, I came home, Barb was in the car, and there was this Amazon package at, at the door. And I told Barb, I said, what did you order? She said, I didn't order anything. So I go, and I, I was kind of excited. I had no idea what this was. So I pick up this Amazon box, and I take it inside, and I open it up, and there's this thing that I ordered that I paid around $39.95 for. And I'm looking at it and think, why in the world did I order that? What am I going to do with that? It probably doesn't even work. But it's going to make one heck of a white elephant gift at Christmas. <laughs> you know? I mean, this $39.95, you know, it slices, it dices, it makes hundreds of Julian fries. It, it's nothing. We spend $39.95 at, at lunch, don't we? Some of you do that today. $39.95. We can all get involved at, for $39.95. Everyone participates. And we're joking to a certain degree. But can you imagine if we all pitched in? I think it would be amazing what we could actually do. And there may be some people out here saying, $39.95, Brad, I, I can't. There's just no way, and that's okay. I want you to know that that is okay. But I would ask you to do something. I don't care if it's a dollar, five dollars, because what it's doing, it's starting us in the procedure of, of learning to be rich, to start giving back. It's got to start somewhere. So it's okay. Now, there's some of you who are going, $39.95, that's easy. That's, okay, I can, I can get on board now. That's $39.95, that's, that's no problem. You need to add a zero to that. And Jordan wants me to make sure that you know which side of the decimal that that's on, okay? He said that before. Just remind them which side of the decimal that zero goes on, okay? And now it's getting a little more, okay? Oh, okay, now it's a little serious. But yet there's some of you that honestly would say, yeah, that's no big deal either. Maybe you need to add two zeros. <laughs> I tell you, like I said, we've been talking about this for a long time. And there was a point that I said, I, I came up with, this is what I'm going to give. You know, I think that's pretty generous. And through the curse of comfort and, and on some of these other things, I, I just felt like God was pushing me and saying, is that really uncomfortable? And it wasn't. So we prayed again and we said, okay, God, we want to know what you want us to give. And that's what we're asking you also. And so, man, honestly, I want to stretch you. I, I, I want you to really think through this. I, I, want this I want this almost to be uncomfortable for you. And, and you may be thinking, you know, well, Brad, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, you're pushing pretty hard on this. You're right, I am. Because normally when we talk about giving, we're talking about this place. And, we're, and, and, and we're, we try to be very careful. And we say all the time, we want something for you. We don't want something from you. Okay? This is, this is what, I'm telling you, this is 1,000% that. Because we're not keeping a dime of this money. There's no shipping and handling. We're giving 100% of it away. 
It's all, it's all someone else's. So yes, I am pushing pretty hard on this because I want something for you. I want to change our hearts. I want to be the kind of gen- I want to be known as the generous church that, that we can be. And we want to make a difference in our community. We want to make a difference in people's lives. We can change some people's lives because of this. So how do you get involved? QR code. There you go. You know, there's QR codes back there. For those of you, you, you know, you would not offend me right now if you got your phone out and went ahead and you did that. But we do want you to get, put some prayer behind this also. But there's easy ways to give. For some of you, you want to write a check, we call you scratchers. We love you scratchers, okay? It's no problem. <laughs> and you can scratch out that check and, and, and send it in, put it in a box in the back, whatever. Maybe there's some cash people here, and I want you to understand that we take all denominations, 5, 10s, 20s, 50s, you name it, okay? And we're going to have fun with this. Yeah, we're asking you to give. We're asking you for money. We're asking you to stretch yourselves. We're asking you to, to, to go out on a limb, maybe. We're asking you to be extravagantly generous because we're not keeping a dime of it, and I think it will change the way you look at things. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And we've chosen the shepherd's house to give this all away, too. They don't even know it's coming. I cannot wait to take them a check. It's going to be awesome. I think we'll video that. But it's going to be so much fun. And, and just coming, we've come alongside this organization before. They're an amazing organization. I want to read you their, their mission statement. It says this. The mission of Shepherd's House is to rebuild the lives of those who society views as hopeless into sober and productive assets to the community. These people are in distress. These veterans, homeless veterans, are in distress, and we get an opportunity to come alongside them. They've been doing this since 1998. They, they, they serve these, these veterans who uh, have been in jail, who have been addicted to, to drugs, addicted to alcohol. Their lives are a mess. They're homeless, and they bring them in, and they share the gospel with them, and they walk through them. It's an amazing process, and they have an 83% success rate of them coming out sober, clean, and with jobs. Giving back to society like people have given to them. It's absolutely amazing. Bridge kids are going to be collecting um, socks and underwear and toiletries and all kinds of things. There's a list over there. We're going to teach our kids from a very young age that it's about generosity. It's about giving back. It's about being stewards, managers of what God has allowed us to have because we are so richly blessed by him. I want to close today by reading a story, a, a letter that one of, the, one of the guys had gone through their program here. His name is Brian. And here's what he says. I'm very thankful for all the blessings I had received while at the shepherd's house. My life before coming here included war, abuse, prison, criminal activity, alcoholism, and drug addiction. I've been here nine months, and I've experienced Jesus Christ working in many ways. This program, this staff, the other veterans, and this great community have helped me in countless ways. I have never truly been in recovery until I came here, and I have developed coping skills to deal with my PTSD, anxiety, and addiction. I was thrilled to hear I am receiving a vehicle for my three children and me to go to church and school activities together. My family really needs that quality time together. This house of God has inspired me to make goals for my future. I have made some life-changing decisions here. My plans include better relationships with God, my parents, my children, and my community. 
I want to personally thank everyone involved with this facility. To anyone out there that needs help, there is hope. That's who we're coming alongside. And we're going to make a difference. And there are going to be lives changed because we cared and because we lived like this instead of like this. Would you pray with me? Father, I just pray that you would lay on everyone's heart here what an honor and privilege it is to serve in this way. Father, I pray that you give us the, the mindset for us to be rich and make a difference. And what we want more than anything is, is, is for us to come alongside these distressed individuals and help them and, and come along to this organization who has, has done whatever they can to help these, these veterans in distress and lead them to a loving, lasting relationship with you. And Father, more than anything, it's not for our glory we do this. It's not so that we can say, look what we did and be all proud of it. It's for us to point other people to Jesus, other people to you, that you would get every single piece of glory out of this, and we get none. We are nothing but humble servants to you, Father. Help us to be rich. It's in the amazing name of Jesus we pray.